Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. How are you today? Doing fabulous. Summer. It's awesome. It's pretty nice outside. It's very nice. Finally, it's summertime. We're in this dark room. I can't see outside. I know. They don't don't let us get out very often. They probably shouldn't. (sighs) Well, they let us go on air, so that's frightening enough, right? Probably, yeah, yeah for so. maybe even for our listeners as well. <laughs> and we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes, folks. So your kids are out of school. They are. They, they finished on the 26th, and summertime is always an interesting time for working parents with kids of any age, but particularly teenagers for me this year. Yeah, it's kind of a, so you as, um, you're a great mom. Thank you. And you have great kids. They're pretty cool. So what are your plans over the summer? Well, my son got a job, so that's awesome. Oh, where's he working? Yeah, he's going to work for a landscape company. He didn't start yet, so I'm um, just gonna Wait a minute. You told me that you hired a company to lay your mulch. I did. He was so mad. Isn't that training? <laughs> it is, and he was mad. He was like, Mom, I would have done it for yeah. a third of the cost, but oh well. It's, uh, you know... It was the timing of everything. He could be your mulch intern. So he could. Right? I know. Yeah. So that's good. He's going to start working. My daughter didn't get a job yet. They're only okay. 15, but she's going to try to work. But right now they're basically sleeping until noon, getting up, going to the pool, and then staying over at someone's house. So yeah. I haven't seen my daughter in, you know, four days. You remember when you were that age and you thought that was so boring? Can oh. you imagine if that was your day-to-day? I know. Yeah, I know. it would be and nice. For five seconds, they don't have something to do and they're bored. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I read this great quote by Mark Twain. It says, I'm in favor of progress. It's the change I don't like. And so <laughs> I'm happy that they're growing up. But, um, you know, going from the routine of school to summertime is... Ah, makes me crazy. Yeah, I saw this other quote too. It said, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even, even less, yeah. um, which is really interesting. So we talk about healthcare on side effects. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we talk about here too is the fact that um, we might be right, we might be wrong, but we're not afraid to talk about it openly. Right. So what's happening with our healthcare system and 17% of the economy, if we don't change, um, it'll bankrupt this nation. Right. It will. And it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle for individuals, for families, for companies, um, and for our government. I mean, nobody has it figured out. Nobody. And so um, today we were going to talk about some innovation in our industry, right? Something that's been coming, but it's very, very slow. And that's um, value-based healthcare or pay for value. So go ahead. No, I think probably would, you know, most of us uh, that are in this business, we mostly look at like really large claims or big discounts, or we'll talk about prescription drugs that equate to 20% of our spend. And what's very interesting, what's kind of evolving is this whole evolution of uh, primary care physician or right. getting a primary care physician. I mean, and we're a part of that too. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. about all those things Scott just said because those are the areas that we can make an impact. Those are the areas where we can help a plan sponsor reduce or, you know, 
stave off future increases and we can help members in terms of how much they are contributing because we're keeping plan costs low. But this whole concept of primary care physician, we, we don't get to come in and say, you know, here's a six-figure savings today. But what this is going to do, I believe, over time is change the care delivery that we've experienced in this nation so far. Well, I think you and I, so Ann and I and Mike Sutton, we went to an organization in Columbus, Mm -hmm. COPC, great organization, driven off primary care. And the leader there, Dr. Wolf, matter of fact, we invited him on side effects. Uh, Maybe we'll bring him in this fall or when he has time. But uh, very articulate, very bright person, said really this evolution from fee-for-service. So what that means is basically this model where if I'm sick, I just go to the doctor and physicians are just used to that transaction. And I applaud his efforts and other organizations' efforts as well in regards to, hey, I think we can make a bigger impact. I think we can make a bigger difference in primary care, but we've got to unbolt uh, or unplug this model of fee-for-service. Yeah, and so it's really moving from what what you may may hear it referred to as a volume-based system to a value-based system. So again, if you've ever gone to the doctor and they give you that, you know, yellow slip that comes at the end of your visit and there's lots of little boxes checked. Every box they're checking is a billable line item. And whether they solved your issue that day, that week, that episode or not, they get paid for that service, for having seen you. And so in the healthcare space is unlike really any other service that we purchase as a consumer where they can see you get paid and your results may not be what you want your results may not be what the protocol calls for but they still get reimbursed as a physician Um, and this isn't to say physicians aren't doing their jobs right or that they're not good at what they do it's just saying there's no check and balance in this system it's just a fee-for-service system today regardless of the outcomes and what we're focused on is the outcome and the health of the population and the change for the better. Yeah, and I think what providers are, are looking, especially primary care, so they normal, normally <clears throat> are compensated at the lowest level and they can have the biggest impact. So things coming towards them are telemedicine mm-hmm. that's coming towards them, uh, doc in a box, so CVS, pharmacies, grocery stores. Uh, it allows access to primary care but the big issue is is who's really managing the disease of that person because the transaction business is pretty is pretty simple. As a matter of fact, pretty lucrative as well. Right. But how do I add value back into the healthcare system? So when you talk about this from like sixty thousand feet, primary care physicians really account for less than it says here three point two percent of healthcare spend. So as we talk to customers, like why why are you talking to me about that? However, they drive basically, you know, almost 90% of the transaction, future trans- referral to specialists, referral to hospital, referral to tests. Right. So that relationship is really, really critical. It is important. And it's, it's who should know your health the best. And in having some of these discussions, you know, it occurred to me, um, you know, are we as individuals qualified to make our own healthcare decisions? And the answer is, unless you're a clinician, probably not, right? But when you look around at who is the most qualified to make those healthcare decisions, it's probably your primary care physician. 
And most primary care physicians will know when it's outside of their scope, and they will then refer you to that specialist. If you've ever been to a specialist and you tried to ask them about another condition that you have, they'll send you right back to your primary care physician. So the system is built to, to work together. It's just that access to care through the arrangements we have today, through PPO plans with very open access, and information through WebMD, and people can self-diagnose and they can choose where to go and get care, and there's not a lot of coordination because people don't look at that primary care physician like they did you know, 30 or 40 years ago. It's changed. So talk to our listeners about this, this chasm between um, fee-for-service and pay-per-value, mm-hmm. and why, why should they care? Yeah, and so, I mean, that's a great question. Again, I think the reason you should care is because today, the way physicians get paid, um, they're not incented on whether or not you get better. Basically, that's the truth. And so they will, you know, they may try something. If it doesn't work, you come back again and pay another fee and you keep coming and coming. Suddenly, when you put a portion of that physician's income, this is why it's slow to change, at risk. So, you know, all the studies that you read out there say at least 20% of their income needs to be tied to this. Some that do it today have maybe 10% tied. It's not enough to change behavior. But if you put 20% or more, of a physician's income at risk for outcomes, they're likely going to work harder because they're self-motivated to make sure. Now again, it's not that your physician doesn't want you to get well or get better, but at the end of the day, we're all people. We're humans, and regardless of the knowledge that we have technically otherwise, we're humans, and so. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, this is gonna come out sounding deviant, and I don't mean it to sound this way, but if you think about it, I mean, one is society, the health of our nation is, Horrific. It's poor. In in Dayton, we're sitting in Montgomery County, so out of 88 counties, we're 80th in regards to health. So we have a healthcare cost issue. We also have a health issue. So if I'm a provider of healthcare, and I've had this conversation with a patient over and over again, you need to lose weight. You need to stop eating this. You need to look at your cholesterol. But da 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 da. And they keep coming back. And I keep having the same conversation. Right. And it's over and over again. And I get paid for having that conversation. Right. So I'm going to prescribe the medication, most likely, right? They're going to come back. Uh, And at the end of the day, we as physicians, we know historically people probably aren't going to do, for the most part, what we ask them to do. Right. However, the incentive is the more people I see, the more money I make. So the incentive change in this is really around, no, the healthier I can make a population, the more revenue I can drive the organization. Right. So it fits with this model. And the primary care physicians are saying, finally, we get entered into this conversation. Right. Because we're a big part of this conversation. They can have they can have a chance to affect outcomes. Yeah. They can. And they do. And I think that when you put a payment model in place, regardless of the industry, it changes behavior. I mean, I'll just go to our industry for a moment. If we change the compensation on how we pay people, it shifts what they do. It shifts your focus. That's all it is. It doesn't mean you're a good person or a bad person. It just shifts your focus. That's what compensation models are meant to do, right? And so the study that I was looking at said 94% of physicians are on the path to value-based. They they agree that it should be done. Only 27% of them have gone there. Because again, if you think about it, 
I'm a physician, I've been practicing for 20 years or 25 years, and now I have to give you 20 or 30% of my income back, my fixed income, and um, I might get it back, I might get 30 or 40% of it back if I do a really good job, but I have to put that all at risk. And so that's a really big shift, and that's why it's really, really slow to change. Yeah, so the governor, the state of Ohio, uh, received a grant several years ago, and they're really intentional about this. So how do we get people attached to a primary care physician and how do we get those primary care physicians aligned with paper value? And uh, in, in my opinion, the state of Ohio is leading that charge. Uh, and it's a really big deal. Yeah, it was the Governor's Council on Payment Innovation. Yeah, right? so there was, uh, you know, and I, and I know you've met uh, Greg Moody, who's a great guy. Uh, and Anthem's probably the one carrier in our space. Now, in Medical Mutual, United Healthcare, they're playing in this space, but I would say, you know, Anthem's probably leading the charge in this endeavor. Right. So how do we get people attached? What does that mean? What What does that mean for utilization? So a few of the things that they talked about is if I've got a, uh, a pay per value model for primary care physicians, what they've said is we can expect 7% fewer inpatient admits. We can expect 4.2% less inpatient stays. And for the employers out there, What's important to understand is the savings, and all this is vetted through the state of Ohio, so it's not just Anthem's data. Right, and we, we've we seen the, the data for our own employers we have. through that, that currently have Anthem. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us have bias. So if a broker tells us something, it's it could be slanted with bias. An insurance company tells us something, it could be slanted with bias. When there's multiple parties involved and it's rinsed of that bias, I think for the most part, we can look at that and say that might be credible information. But to the best of our knowledge, what we're seeing is a claim reduction or a healthcare spend reduction of about $18 per member per month, right. which is a big deal. It's pretty significant. Now, for the primary care physicians, about $3 or $3.50 of that goes back to them for creating a healthier population. Right. That's that incentive piece. That's that cost-sharing um, risk sharing piece that comes back to the physician or back to that practice in order to be shared. And that's to leave time during the day so that they can see patients that are ill so you don't have to wait. That's to make sure they've got access to care um, at all times. This model that we just recently looked at, um, this particular practice has uh, education for their patients. They have their own after hours clinics just for their patients because they know that oftentimes they need to be seen after hours, and if they're not there to serve them, they might use the emergency room. So just setting the practice up, just doing a few simple things in order to make sure that people have access to their own provider or their own provider's partners in order to move their health forward makes a huge difference in the overall Yeah, outcome. so in Columbus, they were talking about this. So there was an organization in Columbus that actually went and um, sat in emergency rooms. So as patients came in, what they wanted to do is, hey, is there a better, is there a more appropriate setting to serve for this ER visit? And emergency room visits, as we all know, can be very expensive. So as a reference point, primary care physician visit based on the level of service might be $90, right? right? Urgent care might be closer to $200, maybe even more. ER is probably closer to $1,000. Mm -hmm. So a person comes in and a nurse or a primary care physician talks to that person in the ER moves that person to a different setting 
Right, an so, observation room. So we escape a $1,000 charge, right? We might have to absorb a $200 charge. It's a big deal. Right. And now we have somebody in relationship with a primary care physician. Right. And so they ran this pilot for, gosh, I think for maybe a year or longer. And um, I don't have the exact cost numbers off the top of my head, but it was astounding what they were able to do. And the member didn't have to receive tests that they didn't need. They didn't have to be in that hospital setting for very long, which is uh, being in the hospital is great if you need to be there, but it's, awesome. it's not so great if you don't because it's you know full of germs and sick people are there. That's what happens. And so taking these patients, observing them, seeing that they're going to be okay, and then scheduling them immediately for their primary care physician in the morning, that first appointment, really a better experience for the patient, lower cost for the system, um, just an overall better outcome. Yeah, I think it's so at the end of the day, when you talk about this, what we could see, hopefully, maybe, I think the jury's still out, what we might see is more spend on primary care physician services. Yeah, it's right. definitely going to be, yes, and it's definitely going to be talked about more and more Correct. as we move through but time. less spend on lab, right? x-rays, uh, MRIs, inpatient and outpatient services. Because now we have a population in a relationship with a primary care physician. That, that's so we don't have these people that are medically care. homeless. It's interesting as we kind of wrap up, what's really interesting to talk to the population about is when you go to the doctor, how many people Googled how they feel? So how many people attempted to practice medicine? Right before they went to the doctor, and it's a lot. It is, I mean, I do it, mm -hmm. I do it. I, I, I wanna know, because I think, well, I can look, I can see, but when you get 55 ideas of what you might have, and you could die from 50 of them, pretty sure I'm probably not looking at the right things, right? Exactly. <laughs> so having that relationship's a really important. The focus is the triple aim, and I know you always like to talk about threes and triple target, but lower cost, better health, and overall improved patient experience, and that's what, the aim is of value-based healthcare. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, so for. even for our customers today that we're talking to, what? so hey, what can we do? So we can buy our company Fitbits, we can do all these wellness engagements. I would say priority number one is get your workforce attached to a primary care physician. Take a look at your folks that don't have a relationship, that are medically homeless, which means they're either diagnosing themselves on this mm -hmm. or with friends or family, or unfortunately, potentially could be in a, uh, an ER where it's not necessary, is that a priority sh should be to get them engaged with a primary care physician. Right. And normally an organization that really believes in paper value, which will mean a healthier population and lower cost to your company. Right, and finding out the, who those physicians are who are taking that approach for pay for value, that's something that you can talk to your consultant about, you can talk to your carrier about, um, there'll be more and more information about which practices are doing that and providing services in that vein. And I think that'll be really interesting as we move forward. Perfect. So for our listeners, we'll put, we've got a slide deck with some data. We'll put that on healthierbirthdays.com. Uh, that would be Anne at uh, healthierbirthdays.com or, or Scott, Scott at healthierbirthdays.com. And we just want to thank our listeners for uh, listening to us and taking the time out of their day to be with us. Yep. And happy summer. Join us next time on Side Effects. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on, on Side, Side Effects. Effects.